Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. So jumping back into the forge, um, you know, we've talked about the process. We've talked about the heating up process. We've talked about putting the steel inside and getting it up to 2,200 degrees and manipulating the metal and getting it to where it's just about like lava and we can form it and we can shape it. But in that process, there's impurities that come out. We've talked about those things in our lives, those self-indulgences, those things that we have that we don't always like to share. And in that first step or that first process of forging, that's what you're doing. You're removing the impurities that are inside that metal. And then the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the pressure, the pressure that's applied. Because when you, take that, when you take that metal out of the forge and you put it across the anvil, you're hitting it with as much force as you probably can to begin. You're applying pressure to it. And we've talked about the pressure that's applied to that metal. If that metal is us and that pressure that's being applied is beginning to shape that metal, what pressures are in our lives that are shaping us? And we talked about a couple things. We said, you know, time is one. We talked about identity. We talked about perfectionism. We talked about things that can come at us from the outside and begin to shape us and mold us into something. And something that I think probably the world wants us to be, right? But then we talked about the pressure that God applies. And are we allowing him to shape us? And are we allowing him to put some pressure to us, right? Are we allowing him to mold us? Are we allowing him to define us? And we're we're working through those things, aren't we? It's a daily daily thing. It's something that we work on every single day. But after all the heating and the pressure to manipulate the shape that you are desiring, the next process is quenching. It's quenching the steel. Webster's definition of quenching is actually to extinguish or to put out, to put out. And it's in this process that that hot metal that you cannot touch will burn right through the skin of your hands. It's in that process that that metal, it's extinguished. It's put out. It's cooled down. And I was thinking, you know, how does quenching relate to our lives? How does, how does putting out relate to our Christian life? How does it relate to our walk? Is it possible to quench ourselves? And we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Some versions say, don't put the Spirit's fire out. And Paul is telling the Thessalonians to not quench the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's fire. Don't quench what the Spirit is doing inside of you. Paul is saying for us not to ignore the gifts of the Spirit because those are inside of each and every one of us as well. So acknowledge those, take advantage of those, utilize those. He's telling us not to stifle the Spirit of God. And is that possible? Can can we do that? You see, I believe that we quench the Holy Spirit when we give in to those self-indulgences. I believe that we quench the Holy Spirit when we, when we go back to those things that are in our lives that we struggle with. When we've laid them down, but then we go back to them. 
I believe that we quench the Holy Spirit when we're one person publicly and another person privately. One person publicly, one person privately. There's times my kids will come home from school. Now, I'm a pastor, but there's times my kids come home from school and they got some story. You know, someone's feelings hurt. My little baby, she's 12 years old. I don't like when she's upset. She comes home, she's got a story. First thing I do is tell her, punch him in the face. (laughs) Punch him in the face. That's the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Then my wife looks at me and says, bad pastor. So now we have this joke in our house because when I'm not probably holding the bar, we have the bad pastor comment come out. But that's the first thing, like that revenge kicks in, you know, eye for an eye or more, right? It's not right, is it? If I'm standing up here doing one thing publicly and then privately I'm living a different life in my home, is that correct? No. I believe that we quench the Holy Spirit when we allow the pressures of the world to heat us up, when we allow the pressures of the world to begin to shape us. And I think that's really, we're giving in. We're surrendering. We're quitting. We're giving up. I believe we quench the Holy Spirit when we disobey 1 Corinthians 6. And we've read this. Do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or are greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Or lying or pride or racism or fear or bullying or shame. The list can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. There's as many of those on that list as there are people that walk this earth. It doesn't stop. I've heard a couple of people ask me in the last couple of weeks since we started this series. They'll come and they'll talk about the thing that they're struggling with, the impurity in their life, and they'll say, is, is this bad? Is this on that list? Is it on that list? Is what I'm doing really wrong? You don't have to ask me. You have to ask God. And you have to ask yourself, the action, the thing that you're doing, you want to know if it's right or wrong? Ask yourself if it's glorifying God. If it's glorifying God. Because I'll tell you right now, if it's not, stop. Stop. And it's never too late to stop. Stop now. Right now. And repent, right? Because repentance is needed in that moment, isn't it? It's acknowledging that something was done incorrectly against God and that we're sorry for it. Are we giving in and letting the pressure of the world get its grip on us? Just the other day, I found myself watching the news again and trying to get caught up on COVID. Holy cow. That's like a vacuum. It sucked me in for like four hours. I couldn't even watch. I couldn't work on my message. I'm sitting there at my desk, and I'm looking out the window at the river, and I, could, I, I literally could not 
concentrate. Information, I was just reading as much information as possible from this site and that site and this article and that article. It was overwhelming. I went out and cut the lawn. Then my wife asked me, why'd you cut the lawn and your message isn't done? I couldn't concentrate. Why? Because I was being distracted by something else, wasn't I? It's easy. It's so easy. You see, in the, in the forging process, to quench, though, it actually means to cool the metal suddenly by complete immersion. It's cooling the metal suddenly by complete immersion, which means that metal is completely going into some type of liquid, which is commonly known as oil. Some people use water. It's in this process of quenching that you actually harden the metal and you set its shape in which it now can be used for its purpose. So it seems a little bit opposite of what we're just talking about, doesn't it? Because we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. But then again, in this process, when we're talking about quenching here, we're talking about hardening. We're talking about strength. We're talking about a final shape. We're talking about being ready for our mission. We're talking about having something that we can begin to utilize on behalf of God. We're not extinguishing something now. What we're actually doing is making it stronger. We're preparing it for the war. We're preparing it for battle. We're preparing it for what we're going to use it for. And I look at that, and God is, God is quenching us. He's strengthening us. He's making us stronger. He's preparing us. And in this process of quenching, it's important to judge exactly the right time to do this. Exactly the right time. If it's done too soon, the metal, be, the metal may become brittle. It can shatter. It can actually shatter. You can work with a piece of metal and be shaping a knife. You can work at it for hours, hours, hours. And you can take that, and if it's the wrong temperature, and you submerge that in water, the conductivity of water compared to some of the metals that are out there can cause that metal to be brittle and actually shatter. It'll crack. And then there's other metals that you can use because if you do it too early, it's too soft. And if it's too soft, then it won't hold an edge. So after you've forged this metal piece and you've emerged it in the quenching process and you take it out and you begin to hone it and you begin to put a final edge on it and then you utilize that thing, it can't hold its shape any longer. It gives way. It's really no good, is it? Last week we talked about God applying pressure to us to help shape us into what he has in store for us. Into the shape that he wants us in. Through these pressures, through these situations in our lives, through the things that God is working with us in and through, we are being tempted over and over again, aren't we? Because the world's coming at us too. It's like we're heated up and we're cooled down and we're heated up and we're cooled down over and over and over again. But you ever heard the word heat treated? Heat treated. And I think that, I think that God is doing that. 
we're in this forge and we're going through this pressure and we're going through this heat and we're getting things applied to us and we're going through these situations in our lives, but we're becoming heat treated because heat treated is actually stronger. It's stronger. We're being heat treated to withstand future challenges, aren't we? Future challenges, future things that are coming down the road. It's this process that's taking place. It's making it strong enough to overcome the pressure and the trials of this life and to hold fast to the crown in which he has in store for us. He has a crown for us. He has a crown for us. I wrote down this morning that God's craftsmanship is evident in all of our lives. It's perspective. I was talking to my son yesterday about perspective. Nine out of ten times if I see somebody when they walk in a room or I walk in the room, I'm sizing them up instantly. You can say that you don't do it. You're lying. You do it. You're sizing them up, right? You're judging them. Preconceived notion about them already. But when our perspective is changed and we look at somebody from God's creation, from God's craftsmanship, that judgment, that sizing up is over. It's done. You no longer do it. You see people for who God made them to be. He knows the perfect amount of pressure and the exact time in which we need to be strengthened. And we're strengthened through him. God understands and knows how to work with each and every single one of us. He knows when we're at that perfect temperature rather than when it would be too early or too late. He doesn't want us to shatter. He doesn't want us to be brittle. He doesn't want us to be soft. He wants us to be prepared. He doesn't want us to be soft and unable to fight what is before us. And he doesn't want us to crack under pressure, does he? James 1, verses 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James does not say there might come a time. Something might be down the road. James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because they're coming. We're going through them. Perseverance is steadfastness. And to achieve something despite the difficulties, isn't it? We're achieving something despite the obstacles that are before us, despite the things that are coming at us, despite the roadblocks that are in our lives. We're going to persevere. We're going to hold up. We're not going to crack under pressure. In forging, we are creating something. We're making something to use. The use of this object could be small, such as a nail. It could be a knife. It could be on a much bigger scale. You could be making an I-beam for a superstructure. But the end result of whatever you are making is that it has to be nearly indestructible. Nearly indestructible. That's what we're trying to achieve, isn't it? 
When forging, you work with the same piece of metal over and over again. Constantly heating it, constantly hitting it, constantly heating it, constantly hitting it. And we do that over and over again until finally the molten steel has taken its final shape and we're ready to quench that piece. We're ready to strengthen it. We're ready to harden it. And I think about that immersion and I think about that quenching and then I think back to our Christian walk and our Christian faith. What in our walk, what in our faith is completely similar to a full immersion? Anybody. Baptism. Baptism. Baptism is the beginning of our new purpose. It's our new shape and our new life in Christ. We went from believing, right? Believing, which we left with last week. Not only are we believing now, but we're committed now, aren't we? We're committed. We're committed to Christ. This is a commitment to the process of being shaped, formed, and remade in Christ. It is in this moment we are like that molten steel ready to be quenched. We are ready to be strengthened through Christ. And when we come up from that immersion, we come up with a greater strength that will give us the ability to withstand the pressures and the adversities that come our way on a daily basis. Daily. Like that oil strengthening the metal, the Holy Spirit strengthens us upon baptism. We come out made new. We come out made new. I believe there is power and I believe there is strength in baptism. We read in Matthew 3, Jesus was baptized. Jesus replied, let it be now, or let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus knew. He was doing it to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness. What was he doing? He was doing it to fulfill God's plan, God's mission. Jesus was confessing the sin of the nation. He was supporting John the Baptist. He was beginning his public ministry, and he was leading by example. He was leading by example. Jesus was perfect. He didn't have sin that he needed to be washed away. Jesus didn't need that. But he accepted baptism and obedience to his father. Jesus knew there was power in baptism. And it's not the power that makes your sins forgiven because only accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior and acknowledging that he died upon the cross for you, that's where we are saved. Baptism's the next step. You see, the power of baptism is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of baptism is the power of our testimony. Our testimony, sharper than a sword. The power of baptism is the, the power to walk daily in obedience to Christ. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it means that we have the power to be able to do it. Baptism is an outward action that demonstrates a changed and new life. It is a strong announcement to the world that we belong to Christ and Christ alone. 
to no other. The power of baptism is a new strength in the Holy Spirit. The power of baptism is the power to fully obey Christ. The power of baptism is knowing that you are a new creation and created for good works through Christ. The power of baptism is casting off all your old life and the beginning of a new one. You are no longer the person that you used to be. The power of baptism is the testimony that Christ saves. Not only did he save, he still saves today. The power of baptism is the power of knowing that God is at work in your life and you are a part of his plan. The power of baptism is the peace with God in the beginning of eternal life with Christ. The power of baptism is the quenching for our soul. The power of baptism is the thing that strengthens us as Christians. And it's free. It costs you nothing. But how many of us, how many of us harness that opportunity and take advantage of that power that he gave us on a daily basis? God is working with and in each and every single one of us. Every single one of us. And like the quenching process, God knows that most of us will need a shock to our system to strengthen us, to achieve his purpose. I'm stubborn. Man, I'm bullheaded. He knows. I, I need to get prodded. Sometimes I need to get kicked. He knows it. He's going to lead us. We need a little shock sometimes, a little cattle prod. You see, he's using fire and pressure to remove the impurities from our lives and to shape us into his image, isn't he? Because we read that in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not of the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person and an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. God gave us free will and we can fight this process, can't we? We can fight God, don't we? Requiring him to continually apply more heat and more pressure. Doesn't that kind of seem like what happens? We resist. We kind of go through something else. We resist. It gets a little bit harder. He's calling us. He's showing us. God is shaping us. Or do we, or do we want to refuse so much that we become brittle and we break in the process. I don't want to be brittle. 
I don't want a break. You see, we can refuse so much that we can refuse the shape that he's trying to mold us into, can't we? Or we could submit to the heat that's applied to our lives and we can become the work he desires us to be. And that ultimately is up to you. That's your decision. Amen? Lord, we thank you for working in our lives. We thank you for coming at us with grace and mercy. We thank you for coming at us and going before us, Lord, and paving the way. We thank you for the foundation. We thank you for the death on the cross. We thank you for unconditionally loving us so much that you're willing to work inside of us. Not out of shame, not out of finger pointing, not out of guilt, but out of a soft and loving correction. Out of a voice that speaks to our spirit and tells us, Lord, give us opportunities in the, in the upcoming days. Give us opportunities to share our testimony. Give us opportunities of baptism. Have you, as you have strengthened us, have you, as you have quenched us, let us be strong enough to go outside of this church and profess your name. Let us be strong enough to go outside of these four walls and to be bold on your behalf. Let us be bold enough to stand up for what we believe in. Let us be bold enough to show that wrongs are wrong and rights are right. Let us be bold enough to, to get rid of racism. Let us be bold enough to, to speak life into people and to speak love into people. Let us be bold enough to do what we can against hate. Let us have a heart that has your perspective about each and every single one of us. In your name we pray, amen. You know, when you get baptized, <clears throat> sorry, it's a new life. It's a new life, isn't it? I wrote this this morning. New is hard, hard is difficult, and we don't want to do it. New is hard, and hard is difficult. Coaching basketball, anytime you do something new, oh my goodness, the whole world just came to an end. Because it's new, and new is hard. The first thing that you say is, I can't, isn't it? I can't. This new life isn't necessarily going to be easy. It's not a golden road, is it? Roy Regals, anybody ever heard of him? Rose Bowl, I think it was 1929. Played for Berkeley, playing against Georgia Tech. Second quarter, just before halftime, he recovers a fumble. He's on defense, for those of you that don't know about football, he's on defense. Ball's loose, rolling around on the ground. He picks up the ball, and he's running. Somehow, he gets turned around and runs 69 yards the other way towards his goal. 
and his teammate tackles him between the one and three yard line. Didn't score a touchdown on themselves. Next possession, they choose to punt it out of the end zone. The punt gets blocked. Georgia Tech recovers the, the blocked punt in the end zone, and they get two points just before halftime. Just before halftime. They go into the locker room. Roy didn't want to come back out. He wasn't going to face anybody. He didn't want to come out. He didn't want to go back on the field. He tells his coach that he can't do it. He says, coach, I've ruined you. I've ruined myself. I've ruined Berkeley. I can't face that crowd to save my life. It's over. And Coach Price, he gets down, and he looks at Roy, and he says, Roy, get back up and get your rear end out there. The game is only half over. The game is only half over. This new life in Christ that we have as Christians, it's not going to be easy. God's not looking at the things that you've done against him. He's not looking at the things that you've done against people. God's looking at the person that he created and God's looking at the person that he loves. It's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. But you gotta get back up and you gotta get back out there and you gotta be willing to face that adversity. What if I told you you could live forever? Anybody want that? I did too. Thank you, Jim. It's my prideful way. I want to live forever. But what if, as we're sitting here and we're talking this morning, that that, that opportunity to live forever was a reality? You see, what a lot of us don't understand is that it is a reality, that we are going to live forever. We are. We're going to live forever. But it's up to us to choose where we're going to live. All right? It's up to us to choose where we are going to live. This week, as you see people, and you come across people, and you talk to people, and you interact with people, help them understand that they get to choose where they're going to live. You guys be blessed and have a great week. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.